Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This is episode 152 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we have gathered the crew to take a look at what 2017 will be like for kinksters, LGBT, and associated sexualities. Here's your hosts, Woody and the Beast. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. Sitting across from me is the Beast. Hey, Beast. Hey, Woody. We're surrounded by a loveliness tonight. Well, we're the only guys in the room. We are. I got Monopoly. Oh, I will share with you. You're so good. I will share. So let's figure out who is in the room. All right. I'm going to start with my right hand, and it is the lovely Blue Noir. Hi, guys. And then we have Miss Vanilla. Hello. And Anne. Hello. And Lee. Yes, that's me. <laughs> and I'll finish up, Woody. We go on around, and we got the lovely correspondent, producer, uh, podcaster extraordinary, Chrissy. Hey, everyone. And going on around, which was next to you, to your left, is Mistress. Hello. And uh, some of the voices we've heard in the past, some are new, some are regular contributors to the cast, which is a wonderful thing. We're here on this almost New Year's Eve to talk about where we came from in 2016 and where we're going in 2017. Everybody knows that January 20th is coming. It's not just the birthday of somebody in the room, but it is Inauguration Day. That is going to change the way the kinky world operates pretty much within a short period of time. And that may sound a little gloomy. Uh, Do you want to say a few words on that, Beast? I don't know how quickly the change will come, but we will see changes as new lawsuits are brought into the courts challenging existing laws that we have carefully fostered and developed over the years. We'll see a change in protectionism or lack of protectionism by um, branches of the government about some of the appointees to the cabinet that will be confirmed in the coming months. What they have displayed a lack of support for certain segments of our community and populations over the years. Our kinky world is made up of a lot of different things. We have the kinksters, which is a very broad uh, brush of the scope. And a kinkster has been identified to me as anybody that's ever had used a blindfold during sex. And so that brings a lot of people up pretty quick into the kinkster world. Yes, it does, Woody. Uh, when I used to do a seminar for new social workers, they thought they were doing kinky and BDSM. And then when I started, raise your hands if you ever use a blindfold in sex, everybody in the room nearly would raise their hand and add in, use some silk scarves, and we had every hand in the room up. It's something that spreads across the population and touches just about everybody in some way or other. Some of us are a little deeper into it than others, as I look around the room and see all these lovely perverted faces. Thank you. To follow up on last week's cast, when we had Susan Wright uh, from the National Coalition of Sexual Freedom, we kind of laid out some politics as to the way they believe that they're going to come down. What we're going to talk about today in a discussion group type forum 
is what we can do to protect ourselves, what we can do to take some action, let our voices be heard. We are conservatively 20% of the population of the country, and some say quite a bit more than that. Without any further ado, I'm going to toss to Chrissy. Let's talk about what we can do as kinksters in politics. Hey, Woody, thanks. Actually, there are a lot of things that you can do as an individual. And the most important thing for you to do is if you decide to take action, which everyone should take action, instead of just sitting home, ranting and raving, channel that rage and do something productive, is to pick an appointee, perhaps, that you find particularly repulsive. And someone that I find particularly repulsive would probably be, oh, I don't know, maybe there's so many. Jeff Sessions? He's particularly gross. As we talked on the show last week about him. And he's going to be in a key position of domestic policy. Attorney General. Right. And well, there's so many. Steve Bannon is another. There's just so many. I mean, the whole entire um, administration that's being selected is just blood curling. But let's see. We're going to talk about Jeff Sessions. And he's famous because of the actions that he engaged in in Alabama. Beast, you were talking about him earlier. What did he do? Sessions is anti-same-sex marriage. He's a rather conservative towards the religious side of things, so in, or very religious in his views on how things operate. And very anti-gay. Very anti-gay. Very anti-gay, right. He supported uh, the Judge Moore who told all the clerks that they did not have to issue same-sex marriage licenses. That's right, he did, didn't he? And he also supported Moore when Moore pushed a monotheistic view, pushing Christianity over our other faiths in the state. The Attorney General is really, we just have to go back to uh, Robert Kennedy and the Kennedy administration to realize the impact the Attorney General can have on a civil rights movement. And we're looking at another civil rights style issue because we're looking at our rights possibly being infringed. Uh, yeah, I believe that's absolutely true. And it will start slowly, but it will definitely happen. If, if you really want to take action, and again, I'm going to just, we'll just talk about Jeff Sessions, but this is applicable to anybody that you feel you need to um, voice your dissent towards, call, call your senators. It doesn't matter if they're Republican, doesn't matter if they're Democratic, it doesn't matter if they're an independent, call them, call them, call them, call them. They listen to your calls before they listen to your emails. And then call their state offices. Get your friends to call. Personally, every morning before I leave, I make a phone call from my driveway to somebody. I have several different groups that I call. I call someone every single day. Sometimes I might not get through right away. Sometimes it might take 10 minutes before I get anybody to pick up, but I call every single day someone. Let's see if we can get some phone numbers put up on the site so that uh, people can uh, find their state representatives and senators and actually get something done. Sure, Woody, that's not a problem. I can certainly supply you with a whole list of, of numbers and names, people to contact, absolutely. Another thing that you can do is actually, if you're able to, go to the senator's office. I know for some people that's just not logistically possible. But if, for example, where we live, we're pretty close to the state capitol. And we can go to the senator's office. Go there and tell someone in person, very politely, and with a civil tone, that you're opposed to this particular individual and why. Don't have a temper tantrum. Don't stomp your feet. Be an adult. 
and say, this is why, thank you very much, and leave. If you cause a scene, you're going to lose something. Don't do that. <laughs> lose your right of freedom. You may get arrested, you may get thrown out, but you also won't be taken seriously. It's much better if you can just take a deep breath and go in there with a civil tone and say, look, I really am opposed to this person and this is why. Um, they'll hear you. Another thing you can do is write a letter to the editor of your local newspaper. I know people don't usually do that. You can write a letter, a letter to the editor of the New York Times. You can write it to the Washington Post. You can write it to the Miami Herald. Pick one and write it. Make sure that you take the flames out. Read it a couple of times. Have somebody else read it. That's yes. even better. You need a different point of view. Somebody has to read it that is not in your fiery shoes at those moments. Right, because everybody that I know, and I'm going to say, not okay, not everybody, 99% of the people I know are just aghast at this situation that's happening, this regime change. Wouldn't it be nice if all those people voted? Yeah, that's a whole other issue. The one thing I do want to say here is that when you are going to the offices, do not put your passion and emotions on the line. Be very matter-of-fact, state Mm -hmm. your case, and get the hell out. Right. Another thing that you can do is to write an opinion piece, write an op-ed. You can do that anywhere. There are petitions floating all over the place. Everybody that I know is on social media. They're either on Twitter or they're on Facebook or they're on both. Use those forums. That's where information is getting out. The mainstream media is not telling people anything of value. Go to alternative sites and use Twitter. Blow it up. Find petitions. Sign them. Go to Facebook. Find petitions. Sign them. There are plenty of petitions that are out there. Moveon.org, love it or not, is a good choice. Join a group that's organizing against Sessions. There are groups organizing against Sessions Confirmation. Make yourself heard. Numbers count. And, of course, use social media. Be on there as often as you can, even if it's just a quick little tweet. Use it. There are some really good articles out there, too. Um, There's a group that's called People for the American Way. The group, again, is called People for the American Way, and they oppose the appointment of Jeff Sessions to be United States Attorney General. And... We'll post links to that, too. One place you can find them is, of course, directly at their website, which is www.pfaw, that's peopleforamericanway.org. And if you go there, you can find um, information that will help you if you you know, really want to help get your voice out there against uh, Jeff Sessions. And he's just one person. I mean, the whole entire cabinet that's being suggested is horrendous. On our page, we will have all these links, so there will be clickable and don't have to write anything down, which is really nice. I want to underscore what Chrissy is saying is we have a tendency in general as as uh, citizens to make our statement and then forget about it and move on. Right now, we need to really stay focused and continue to make our points over and over in a civil manner because This isn't going away quickly. We're looking at months for these confirmation proceedings to occur. And we need to keep the fires built and the heat on for this entire process and not just let it slide away. And the louder we are, the more the momentum will build. And there will be challenges. There's going to be pushbacks from the far right. Oh, absolutely. Nothing like this has happened in this country ever, this type of complete, absolute shift. The the oligarchy has unmasked itself, and they're 
putting themselves in key positions, they will have complete, absolute control of our economy, of all of our jobs, of our education system, of our political system, of our justice system. And they're not working in the best interests of anyone who isn't a millionaire or a billionaire, which I don't know about you, but I know a few, but most of the people I know don't meet that tax bracket. Well, I just pulled up my bank balance and I'm missing a few zeros there. I heard you. It's in the best interest of the people to come together in numbers. All three branches of the U.S. government are being affected right now. Yes, and and the Supreme Court. The one thing that we all have to do is start getting out and voting in the smallest of elections. I think that's where we have gone wrong. And Trump won because he won the Electoral College. He went out to the rural areas of this country, and that's where he won. And so we have to get out and we have to vote in every single election. And we have to hold these people in office at the city level, state, county, federal level. We have to hold them accountable from here on out. And if we don't, then we're going to continue to see people like Trump in office. Yep, you're right, Lee. There are lots of reasons why Trump got elected. Uh, people didn't vote. That's one reason. And that's a whole nother, you know, podcast, all the different reasons why people didn't vote. That could, that's a whole nother issue. And it's an important issue. Um, but there are other things that we can do. We can, as you said, uh, vote or also, as we're opposing candidates that we don't like, for example, Jeff Sessions, Look at candidates that we do like. And whether or not you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, I'm going to bring Bernie up because he started something called OurRevolution.com, which is encouraging people to get out there and get involved in the political process at a grassroots level, run for school board, run for county commissioner, run for these low-level positions, and change the face of politics, change the flow of the, the money, break it up, and get new new people into office that are really dedicated to making some positive changes. Um, there are lots of candidates out there. In this particular state, we had some run. In Tennessee, we had some run. They didn't get enough votes because this state is locked down red, which is really a shame because people are voting against their best interests. But if you go to the ourrevolution.com website, there are representatives and state representatives, people running for senator, people running for all different mayor, school board, all different kinds of offices all around the country that need your support. Um, these are people that are really upset with the status quo. They're really upset with the, what's happening, and they need to get into positions where they can make change. And we're the ones who help them get there. Chrissy, let's look at this on how it could possibly affect us. A lot of us go to clubs, BDSM clubs, play places, swinger clubs, pick any of those. How do you think those might be affected by some of these legal changes? The overall tone is so conservative and so restrictive. I mean, the the people that are being suggested for these positions, what they've done is they've stripped away a veneer of civility. They've stripped away any of the social constraints. For example, and I don't know exactly how it will affect our, our clubs. Let me think about that for a minute. But just, for example, the hate that's being unleashed 
the first week after Trump was announced as president-elect, somebody called me and said that this fellow is a head of a business, the business department at a college in Tennessee, and he's gay. He's been living with his partner for years. No problem. He's driving to work in a rural area. He lives in a rural part of the state, driving to his job. Somebody in a pickup truck followed him the entire way, and it was more than, it was, you know, 15 miles. Followed him on his bumper all the way to his job. A couple days later, somebody told me that a black guy and a white guy, friends, called me up and said, hey, we were out driving, um, just driving down the road, and somebody in a pickup truck, again, a pickup truck, yelled out the window, hey, you, you know, you N-word, go back to Africa, and threw a coffee cup at the side of the car. I mean, the hate crimes, hate, 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 is going to increase. So that's going to affect us, our, our gay friends, our people of color. If we look different, if we have a tattoo, if we have a piercing, I can see it affecting us in a lot of ways. I definitely see that the tone of the campaign and the way the campaign ended up emboldened the more radical fringe element to speak out more forcefully and more aggressively in voicing their views, which I happen to not think are American, but they are doing so because they think they had a mandate after this election. They're following Trump's lead. Right, and he's not doing anything to call them back. Even though he went on 60 Minutes and says, okay, everybody back down, that is going to be not much help. He has made these statements, but then he'll backtrack, and and on another, he will fan the flames again. So mixed message. In the week after Trump was elected, there were 36 documented hate crimes in the United States. I'm sure there were more than that right. that weren't this documented. Is documented. Right. And right now there's close to 500 hate groups that keep growing as we speak. That alone, the idea that Trump is now president, or will be, and now it's okay because obviously he's supported by the KKK and other hate groups, and he has never denounced any of them. It, it has given so many people license to do what they do. I believe that the way things are going to happen for us and for attendance in our clubs and play parties and things, I think it's going to be dismal. There are already, two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, it is already difficult for somebody who's new to this lifestyle, new to coming out and interacting with other people in this lifestyle. It's already difficult. It's already scary, and it's already sometimes overwhelming for people. This is only going to make it worse, and people are going to be more afraid, and they're going to be more afraid of being watched, being monitored, having to give somebody their picture ID. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to put me on a list? Are you, you know, I mean, just everything is going to be worse. It's going to be more difficult. And I think it's going to be harder for newer people. And we all know what happens when people who are new don't get out and become part of the community. One of our listeners wrote us recently and said that they don't like having their personal information recorded at a play space just for that reason. If for some reason it gets raided, summonsed, however you want to think about it, your personal information as a card-carrying member of a facility could be challenged legally, actually pointing fingers at you as some kind of deviant. You know, Woody, a lot of the things that 
Trump has been talking about, and this is something I read recently, Trump versus the Constitution. He may have read the Constitution, but he didn't understand a fucking word except maybe the first. He doesn't understand the meaning of it. No, he didn't. He didn't understand the first word because the first word is we. We. That's very true. So he didn't understand yeah. that first word. Very you, you true. Mean it wasn't I. Right. Me, <laughs> yeah, me, it wasn't me. I. So or me. His campaign speeches violated the first, the third, the fourth, the fifth, and the eighth amendments. His Do you pro- have a point there? <laughs> he violated all those amendments yesterday. I'm saying that if we know this, this is power to to fight back and say, but. First Amendment, First Amendment. The Constitution is the document that gives us power. That's why it was written. Well, Christy, let me go tangential on you, though. We have stalled for how many hundred days now on replacing a deceased justice on the Supreme Court? It's over 220. And we're going to have a new justice that's going to come in in short order. The Supreme Court is definitely going to see its uh, conservative member replaced. And we have the potential to replace several other members on the court within the next four years. That are aging out. Luckily, Ruth Bader Ginsburg has made a commitment to drinking juice and being healthy. So Ruth is going to hang on for us. Chrissy, you're talking about uh, constitutional issues, and that's one of the court's big mandates, is to decide constitutional issues. And we stand the chance of those constitutional decisions being eroded by this court that's coming in to uh, place. Do we have lobbyists in the kink community? We have the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom is probably our largest single lobby group. Do they state-by-state lobby? Do they have people who attend sessions state-by-state? No. they. Then we don't have lobbyists. No, we hit the large topics in a few states. How? Well, if it's a major issue in California that's got national interest, yes, we will go. But if it's state by state, we don't have the funds. Our people are not supporting, and I will say that, our people, our community, are not contributing financially to develop the lobbying efforts that the more conservative elements in our society are. A lobbyist can volunteer. What a lobbyist needs is the money to contribute to who will ever be on their side. Right. When you talk about calling your congressman or these people in power, you will never get right directly to them. You will talk to staffers. And it's very important that you make that staffer kind of live your life for that hour that they're on the phone with you. It's kind of important that you put the mirror up to them and say, what if this was you? You know, you talk about civility, Civility gets people killed because civility is just bowing. Okay, I don't mean going in with guns or anything like that and doing that kind of thing. I mean pressing the issue, putting up the social mirror, forcing them to look at themselves, forcing them to then go home and look at themselves in the mirror and see the shame. And then there, that's where they can go and go look. I can't live with this decision that I'm working for this person. The person that we want on our side, we don't have to work like that. You don't force them to see it. They see it. Our newspapers, our press is failing us miserably in this country, and this is a phenomenon I just don't understand. Because six corporations control all of the media. Exactly. And when Trump says he wants to control the Internet... 
good luck. So all these people who have satellites in the air should now be not civil, should now practice civil disobedience because they have the money. The internet uh, security is being moved over to the Defense Department. It's gone from a public facility to a military facility. Well, we're fucked. Pretty much. It's, it's actually more or less a return to military because the internet... Yes, it did start there. The internet was developed as a scientific tool. How many generals has he put into uh, possible... Uh, it doesn't even matter because five. he'll be the commander-in-chief. Exactly, and he'll use executive ruling, which is actually illegal, I think, isn't it? Really? We have used it during the more liberal administration... To our advantage. Bush used it more than anybody. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Bush used it. There was a war, but I think, most involved recently, with that. In the liberal administration, we have used it to our advantage. Which will be reversed shortly. And hopefully in four years, we'll have a reversal again. You know what really freaks me out? This is another person that Trump has chosen to be on his team, Betsy DeVos. Do you know who she is? She's the one for the education? Yes. yes. She's the chair of the Michigan Republican Party. Her husband is Mr. Amway. Her brother is the fellow who started Blackwater Mercenary Group. He's feathering his nest. He's setting up his own private security. How about that? And Blackwater's changed names a couple of times because they had that little incident in Iraq where they shot 17 people in an intersection. That was kind of the public black eye. We know all about the private stuff they did off the radar. It's been talked about all over the place. But Betsy is a real piece of work. She has never been involved in education, and she's going to be the head of the education department. She is a billionaire. She's worth $5.1 billion with a B. Thank you, Amway. Right now, she's the chairman of American Federation for Children, which is a pro-school voucher program. She wants to gut public schools completely and privatize our education system. And this whole voucher and privatization of public education is a very frightening concept. America had a great public education system, and for various reasons, we let it degrade over the last few years. But we're looking at a Bush-era renewed attack on public schools where, as Chrissy says, we're going to lose money streaming out of the public schools into private schools that are largely unaccountable to the citizens. What she's done, Betsy is one of the funders of the Action Institute, which is a right-wing quote, I'm going to make air quotes here, think tank. And the Action Institute recently published an essay calling for child labor, describing it as, quote, a gift our kids can handle. And the post said, quote, let us not just teach our children to play hard and study well, shuffling them through a long line of hobbies and electives and educational activities. A long day's work and a load of sweat have plenty to teach as well. Mm. Child labor laws. And Chrissy, as somebody that's got some familiarity with the education system, on the surface, she's got some good ideals there. I think that part of our degradation of our public schools is that we have become a little too relaxed in the way we let kids choose their paths. I can see us heartening back to the 20s and 30s on this really quickly where we have sewing machines and sweatshops in the schools. Randy Weingarten of the American Federation of Teachers slammed the nomination and said, quote, in nominating DeVos, 
Trump makes it loud and clear his education policy will focus on privatizing, defunding, and destroying public education in America. And the cornerstone of any good society, of any great society, is education of all citizens. And that's done through public education. In this room, there are four people in the education business. And one of them, Vanilla over there, has a few things to say about teachers. I think the biggest crime in public education is that now teachers have become the targets. It's like they're not doing their jobs. Education is a very joint effort. Students have to want it. They have to be self-disciplined enough to actually sit down, concentrate, read, write, and do what is expected. And we have seen a scapegoating of teachers since the Bush administration. They're not doing their jobs. They're not teaching our kids. Well... I can stand and lecture all day until I'm blue in the face, but if nobody's picking up a pen and nobody's opening a textbook and nobody's opening their notebooks to take notes, my efforts are null. We have to instill the desire to learn in our kids. That starts at home. I homeschooled both of my children, and they graduated high school, and they have critical thinking skills that outshine any kid in public school. Bush's No Child Left Behind dumbed us down tremendously in this yes, country. Yes, it did. Amen. You cannot teach to a test. That does not make a child want to think. That does not make a child dream. That doesn't inspire anything. So, oh, I completely How do you really agree feel with about you. It? Uh, nor, I will say, that has a general rule, the, the development of homeschool has been a horrible thing to modern education. Bullshit. No, in general, I see it. I see great parents doing it well. A lot more parents doing it badly. It's well, a the out. big elephant in the room, and we haven't even said it, is fundamental Christianity. So when you have fundamental Christians homeschooling their kids on a creationist theory, you are fucking them up for life. Amen. That is the big out. We have not even addressed that because that is what's behind the whole Trump thing is the fundamental Christian. Well, it's I, the loudness of that group. It's the what? How loud their voice is. Oh, the group of homeschoolers? No, uh, fundamental Christians. They have a very loud they voice. They have an incredibly organized lobbying system that hits Washington like you would not believe. More than any other. You know why homeschooling is available? Because of them. Yes. I'm an atheist. I didn't homeschool for that. I could freely homeschool it and not be busted for it because of that. I was reading here, DeVoe was one of the architects of the Detroit charter school system. Douglas N. Harris, professor of economics at Tulane University, wrote in a New York Times, uh, opted that DeVoe's was partly responsible for what even charter advocates acknowledge is the biggest school reform disaster in the country. So she wants to take this and make it national policy and make it national policy. And it was a disaster in Detroit. Well, again, one of the problems is that we're teaching, we, we are treating education and medicine as if they were businesses. And if they are not profitable, then big reforms come in. We have to get to the point that people understand and they can think things through and understand that not all children learn at the same pace. Not all patients heal at the same rate. So what's profitable for one is not going to work for the others. And this standardization of 
education at the higher ed level as well as the elementary schools has done nothing except harm. I agree. We have to remove this business model, and it is only now gaining more and more momentum. One of the organizations that's behind all of this is a group called ALEC. Yes. Oh, ALEC. Make me sick. It's a big big business. ALEC, help us. ALEC? They funnel millions and millions of dollars to every political candidate that they support. They're a billionaire lobbying group, and what they've done is systematically gone through Fed policy as well as state-by-state legislating bills and have formatted and written some of those bills where our and our legislators, instead of reading through them thoroughly, have them. just signed off yeah. on them. Now we've got states that have the same educational policy for their, their students. You know, and one of the big things in a red state is, oh, we don't want federal control. We don't want federal control. We want to take care of things ourselves. Well, but they prescribe to but these. yet they let Alec in and they've passed those bills. The corporate atmosphere in the United States has really raged since the Reagan administration, which Trump has often been in the same paragraph. Reagan and Trump has been mentioned quite a bit. Except I miss Reagan now. <laughs> I miss Reagan now, too. But uh, Reagan was the one that started pushing privatization of retirement plans, started pushing um, a reliance on Wall Street as our economic benchmark in this country. And that has led to many of the places we are now in this incoming administration is that Wall Street is sets much of the policy for the nation, even though Wall Street is not responsible to anybody except the shareholders. And their only responsibility to shareholders is to fatten the shareholders' pockets. It's not what's good for the economy. It's what's good for the shareholder. Well, you know who funds ALEC. It's the Koch brothers. The Koch brothers have been funding them. Charles G. Koch Foundation (laughs) funds ALEC. They're the one driving our, our public policies. That's interesting because the Koch brothers were not on board with Trump. Well, no, in the he's mid-term. a competitor. He was a competitor, but I guess they're going to have to patch up the differences. Down. But on the same token, he's in the same channel as a lot of the appointees. Well, it's the richest cabinet, relative, absolute, however you want to compare it. This is an extremely wealthy cabinet that we are putting in that I don't see how these people are in touch with their constituents at all. Oh, they're not. The whole entire cabinet, everybody is a millionaire, multi-millionaire, I won't talk about conflict of interest then. Two are billionaires. The poorest person on the list is Mitt Romney with $250 million. What a slack. I know. And, you know, a lot of these folks, they were born with multiple silver spoons in their mouth. Not one. End up their ass. You know, it's enough that Trump is being called out for some of the conflict of interest between his businesses, his family-run portion of it, and that sort of thing. But let's look at all the other people in the cabinet that are in the same boat. Who don't have to put their their assets in a blind trust when they take office. You're seeing an oligarchy happening right now in front of us. This is not the republic that we knew. The democratic society is dissolving. Well, it's been dissolving for several years. We just see a watershed moment when it, yes, when we're going to see acceleration of the change, and we saw that uh, we saw it in the Reagan administration. We saw this it. This is the, beyond that. We saw beast. it in the Bush administration 
in terms of personal privacy and personal security when the NSA stepped in so heavily. And instead of rolling it back, the Obama decided to keep much of the Bush era invasions into our privacy because they were good for the government. How do we know all this, though? Who revealed all this? I read a piece on Edward, Nixon. Edward Snowden is one of them. He's a piece of shit. He still revealed a lot. Okay. If he was fair about what he's going to reveal, then he should have revealed all sides. Well, that may be true. He's but a little he, piece of worm shit. Well, I won't. <laughs> I wonder how he's real. <laughs> Am I here to lie? <laughs> but no, I, was, I read a piece about, um, I was looking at George Wallace. I was thinking, you know, someone who would be the ickiest person in my personal history, remembering the things he said, the things he did. I wanted to find a contrast. I wanted to find a balance on the biggest ook factor in our politics. Well, I was, it was a very interesting read because I actually found an actually bigger ickiness. Richard Nixon and how he behind the scenes with the CIA or the FBI, I forget which, please don't quote me on facts on that. I can bring (laughs) up the article, how he worked so hard and dirty George Wallace as if you could make him dirtier. That means Richard Nixon was even dirtier. Well, they didn't call him Tricky Dick for nothing. Yeah, no, and I get that. I understand that. But this has always been in play. We're nothing. We are nothing in the government as far as they are. We are nothing. This has always been in play. The thing of it is that you talk about all these, this information we have and the WikiLeaks and, and Snowden and all this stuff. It is all one-sided for one thing. So it's driven by money. Okay. Where's the press? Where the hell is the press? Well, again, I mean, we've got five entities that own all news sources. It's in just the not States. enough of an excuse. Where are they when they're supposed to be really reporting the truth? The they're paid not their to. Jobs. They're not. So they're paid not to. That. Okay, then. Then. U.S. media does not subscribe to the fair and balanced reporting structures that you see in many other countries. You know, watch BBC News for a change and, and see, oh, I absolutely see how do. flat that reporting is. I absolutely do it read the BBC. It needs to be neutral. I read the, the, the news out of the Netherlands because my father always right. keeps me up to date on this stuff. I read this stuff out of the Middle East and out of Africa because you don't hear anything. Do you know what you hear from them about us? It's mind-boggling. Oh, like, yeah. Yep. Wow, have you unfiltered that? Thank you so very much. You go to like the news outlets in this country, and it is the most homogenized, the most milk toast, washed. It's exactly. washed. You're saying that, and, and I first off, I agree with you. But then you have a candidate like Mr. Trump saying that they are the liberal media, they're biased, all this sort of thing. He's got a victim mentality, and I don't call him Trump. I call him POS elect. Gee, I can guess what that means. I can't. I can't use the word. You know somebody we haven't talked about who's super sleazy. Another one, Steve Bannon. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's bring that one up. Chief strategist. Scumball. Yes, he's the chief strategist. Anti-Semite. Oh, he's in the racist. He's worse. Yeah. Is it possible to be worse? White nationalist. Yeah, white nationalist. Yeah. I had not heard of Breitbart till this year. 
I don't even know what Breitbart is. Well, alt-right, which is another oh, word yeah. for neo-Nazi. or yeah, We yeah, need yeah. to get rid of alt-right. We need to just say what it is. It's neo-Nazi. We need to just white supremacist. Just get rid of that alt-right shit and just, yeah. just call white it what it is. White supremacist group. You know, hate. It's a hate group. And I'll make a comment that we're sitting in a, in a very pale room. I was going to say is, something. But yeah. we do have a member of the cast that is not. As oh, we, we, yeah, and but uh, so so just because we're pale doesn't mean that we support the the supremacy of any one race or nationality. Carl Reiner made a Twitter tweet thing. He says, "I, a Jew, was willing to give Trump a chance till I heard his chief of staff say he'd not allow his kids to go to school if Jews attended." Translate that in by some young person who got it like that. Translation, I was willing to empower whiteness, white supremacy, until I learned that I may not be considered white in the white imagination. One of the things that I have my students do is list their advantages and their disadvantages. And it's always very interesting to me because everybody in my class can come up with five disadvantages, but then they're really struggling with the advantages. So then that opens the door about what is the biggest advantage? It's not having to acknowledge that you're advantaged. If you don't acknowledge you're advantaged, you take it for granted. And when you start taking things for granted, you make assumptions that everybody else is advantaged or has the same access that you do. I think one of the things that has blinded a lot of the upper crust and that administration is their advantage. They're just blind to it. They have lived their lives all in America. Trump is 70, how old? 70, 70 some old. 70. Yeah, he's 70. 70. He's 70 years old. So he grew up in a time of great prosperity. As a and white man. As a white man, yes. But you know what else? These people don't care. They don't care. I've sat in rooms with rich Republicans and listened to them sitting in, in cocktail parties and other social events, just listening. Yes, they and take the, it for granted. The and hate that they spewed mm-hmm. and the vile attitude they had towards anyone who was not exactly like them was just, it was so distasteful. I had to leave. I, I, I couldn't go back. And it's not just once. I only know Trump supporters who are definitely at poverty and below. And they're white. And when you talk about privilege and advantage, a white person, a white male at poverty level would never consider himself privileged or with advantage. Fish discovers water last, and he doesn't understand. But the voter you're just talking about was voting for the desperation. The economic salvation has been coming towards us for months and months. And it's been creeping us on us. Our economic salvation came at the hands of a black president. Yes, it did. And it's been creeping us up on us so slowly, we didn't realize it's arrived until the last few months. Trump has definitely fallen into a great economic time in the United States. Trump made the middle class and lower class white man feel like he was important. Yes. And Barack and Hillary and Bernie and Jill, and Gary, all made him feel like he was unimportant. And that's the bottom line. And that's they where a said, lot of votes this came This is from. where, th- these are the people who are, what's that word you love, Miss Vanilla? 
disenfranchised, disenfranchised, alienated, socially isolated. All yeah. of the all of those white men who have been told all along that they're misogynistic and racist and all of that, mm-hmm. and they are, they are. They finally had somebody who was their poster child, who was self-made on the $200 million that his father gave him to start his life. Right, right. Yeah. Let's remember that that we're looking at a generation that is, for the first time in American history, looking at not doing as well as their parents did financially and socially. And that I think that has been a driving force in this frustration that we saw being pushed out for change. There was voting for change. We are getting change, but in the social concerns we're seeing, some of those changes these voters may be in favor of, many of them they may not be in favor of, but they're coming along as part of the package of change that they voted for. Let's do an analysis of something that's going on right today. Pence and Trump went to Indiana to talk to Carrier about the thousand jobs. (laughs) Carrier said they weren't going anywhere in the first place. And the thing is, they're laying off 1,500, and they saved 1,000. Now, this is funny money at this point. You know, you take from one pocket, put it into the other. Well, now, why would they be so benevolent? What is the reason for this? Well, let's see. Carrier's owned by United Technologies. That's a defense contractor, right? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. So, let's see. They want to cozy up with the new administration. And so, here's a gimme. And uh, it makes Trump look good. He saved all these jobs. And it's a big photo opportunity and a soundbite. I'm still waiting for the analysis of the jobs saved. Were they corporate office jobs that they had no intention of moving overseas to begin well, with? Well, I guess you won't oh, know that, no, will you? No, those jobs are going to be phased out anyway. What's happening is there are two plants in Indiana. One of them is going to close, and, and they're going to shift a lot of the workers to the other plant. And those people are going to be eventually replaced, a huge number of them, by, guess what? Robots. Robots. They won't be needed anyway, so this is a temporary Band-Aid, and they're getting huge tax breaks. Right. And And the taxpayers are Huge tax incentives. Yes. The taxpayers are paying for this little exercise. But this is politics as usual. And the taxpayers are going, yay, this is great. When we get the headline, and we don't get the rest of the story. Because people don't read, and they don't they know don't how care. to read, and they don't care. They don't care. They don't care. Right. And a lot of people don't care because they're so busy struggling trying to keep the lights on and gas in their car and make their medical payments so they can go to the doctor and then pay another copay on top of that and then pay for the prescription. Maybe they can afford the drug on top of that. And then get a bill from the insurance in six months because they didn't pay for it anyway. Right. People are so distracted by the stresses that they they can't pay attention. And the people that do have the ability to make a difference are anyone. They're all being replaced by Trump goons. We're screwed. We're so screwed. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to be negative. <laughs> so so, uh, so thanks, everybody, I, I don't know if everybody in this room saw the video of the white nationalist... I don't know if it was like an awards dinner. They were giving awards to the biggest douchebag or what they were doing. <laughs> but they were all, all doing the Heil, hand. Heil Trump. Heil Trump. Heil they were yeah. all Heil, uh, I saw that. short me. of goose stepping through the. Oh. the yeah, that was pretty I mean, scary to watch. Yeah, it was, it was terrifying. Scary. Let's go back, though. Adolf oh. was uh, was elected by a populist, by, oh. by a populist vote in his country. 
and he came in early, did great things. He's reestablished manufacturing in a company that had been decimated by war. Half the people loved him, half the people hated him. And he reestablished this. He reestablished social order, but he brought in a social change that was never broadcast in his early messages of redevelopment of the country. That was slipped in later. If people had taken the time to look at it, they would have seen these these trends. We don't have to wait. We've already heard that he wants to, you know, create internment camps. I mean, we've already heard this. And build the wall. And we and we heard this this time. Beast, we can compare them side by side. Adolf Hitler said, well, he used racism to rise to power. Donald Trump used racism to rise to power. Adolf Hitler proposed mass deportations. So did Donald Trump. He proposed mass deportations. In fact, he was going to create a, quote, deportation team. What the hell is that? But they they rode on the same populist wave for almost the same reason. Yes, they did. And that certainly debunks what you said about people wanting a financial change, because the truth is the Trump backing was based on racism and bigotry and misogynism. It was not based on economic change because white, I'm sorry, guys, two white guys in this room, but it was a great group of white men of a certain age, of a certain economic class that were so done having to stand back and let other people step up. Women... Blacks, gay people, Mexicans. You know what a picker, an illegal alien, or I hate to say that word. What's the word? What's the proper word? Undocumented. Undocumented person from another country. You know what they get an hour to pick fruit? 11 to $12 an hour. They get to choose. There's not enough of them. The farmers don't have enough people to pick their fruit. Americans don't want to do the job. Did you know that? Yes. They said they can't hire Americans. They don't want to work that damn hard. So right. they have they hire these people because right. they will work for that. Right. That goes goes back to this constant every generation is done better than their father. When we talk about eleven and twelve bucks an hour, that is not better than their father. What did. we haven't done is made higher education affordable. It's become prohibitively unaffordable. We would be considered middle class, maybe a little on the higher end of middle class. But we paid for our education. We paid for everything. We still never had enough money. And I suppose because we probably spent too much money. Our fault. No one else's fault. But the truth is to get our kids through a four-year college, we didn't have the money. We would have to struggle semester to semester to get a kid through college. That is why our kids. And secondly, a bachelor's degree doesn't give you jack shit in this country. Here's a caveat and maybe a shining, a, a silver lining. Do a silver lining. Our current governor has put into effect a system where college education is now fully funded. It's a last last dollar scholarship. And that has allowed many people who would not have been able to afford to go to the universities to come to the community colleges for two years for free. They have to, you know... Fill out the FAFSA, and they have to fill out, yes, and do their community service, but that still has opened the door for those families. I will agree, Vanell, has opened the door, but the program has put in place is so restrictive that many students are finding it impossible to play the game due to the quality of our secondary schools. It requires them to be full-time, continuous students, or they lose their dollars, and that is a burden that a large portion of the lower end 
is struggling to meet, and we talk about the homogenization of standards, is we didn't take into consideration any flexibility for these students, are not ready to surge forward as full-time students in the community college system. Just out of curiosity, uh, Ms. Lee, what does it cost for a four-year university? What's an education cost? The private university, it is right at $65,000 a year starting at freshman. And grad school is more That's expensive. a top 20 university. So you go four years to get your, your basic degrees, and then you go into your master program or your doctorate. And that's another 50000 a year for your master's. Okay. We're, we're talking about a huge amount of debt if you don't get some kind of a full-ride scholarship. If you go to a private top 20 university, you're supposedly supposed to get a really good job. I don't know. If that always works out, <laughs> no. my uh, no, we, a, a we very good friend of ours, who we all, everyone in this room knows, who graduated from Vanderbilt just a couple of years right. ago, was making uh, twelve dollars and fifty cents an hour her first year out of Vanderbilt. What was her uh, degree? Cognitive behavioral psychology. Oh, that pays nothing. Isn't that well, awful? she still isn't working in that field, and she's been out of school for. And, and I she have, was a top I know student. a girl she that was, graduated four point oh, two student from there, and she started a job right out of college, making eighty thousand a year because she was an engineer. Yeah, and I know I know some of our students, and it just depends. with our AAS degrees are making thirty dollars an hour. Right, Kids straight get out. A, a degree in finance. I know a kid that got out of school, had father's a banker, did her whatever, you know, summer internship at a bank and mm-hmm. got out of school and was making $95,000. You know, it used to be old. you didn't have to have a degree to work in a bank or, or be a president of a bank or be an accountant or any of these things. I think a lot of people are heading towards trade type jobs now. Anyway, the well, four-year degree right around is, the corner, yeah. so that's not a good idea. I mean, it is a good idea. Trade meaning yes, like trade. Yes. electrician, you will HVAC. Always need, the service yeah. industry yeah. will always be alive and well, and it doesn't pay. All right, we may be maybe well, you know, straying we're, from our We're the kink topic, topic here. When yeah, Woody we're first, way off of that. When, when, <laughs> when Woody um, uh, texted me and said, hey, we're going to do this, I had a panic attack. I went back to sleep. I said, uh, he said, any topic that comes up with C-U-M-S. But anyway, he's talking about how D.C. affects the Kingsters. And I said, I had a feeling. I said, I feel we're not on the top of their list of priorities. We're not on our radar yet. There's some serious nest building, POS elect. That's his priority. People of the United States are the lowly subjects of our new serfdom. Yeah, no, we're the carpet. Also, as white, we blend. I fear for people who don't. My kink isn't on the outside. It's not. I'm kinky as fuck. No one would know. I blend. I'm a loud but middle-class white woman of a certain age. I blend. This doesn't affect me. I can walk around in life and nobody knows shit about me. They get mad I have a little sports car. I can outrun them. But I blend. (laughs) This concerns me for people who dress differently than me. This concerns me for the young people I know, especially of any age, but people who are are trans. People who are transitioning, they certainly don't blend. This is what my worry is. As a person, what I can do is protect them when I need to. As a person, 
we can partake to the streets and just fight for us all. For people of color, people who don't blend, I blend, but I'm mad. I am so mad. As a woman, though, I never feel safe. I have never felt safe my entire life as a woman. There is my anger because I see the fear in someone who doesn't blend. I know what they deal with. I know that when they're on the street and they're walking into a crowd of white people and they don't look like them, the majority of those white people aren't going to see them. They're not going to stop and fight for that person. It's always been that way. It's not new. You really hit me when you said that about being a woman and not feeling safe. I'm sorry. I'll come and hug you if we didn't have all this equipment here. (laughs) I recently learned that um, my daughter was a victim of sexual assault. Part of the reason that she didn't come forward sooner, she didn't know if she would be believed or if anything would happen, if anything would change. And when we elected Donald Trump to office, we told every victim that not only are you not going to be heard, you're going to be judged by how you look. People aren't going to believe that you are telling the truth because you're not pretty enough, your boobs aren't big enough, and not only are we not going to believe you, and not only is there a chance that nothing will happen, but the person who victimized you could become the president of the United States. Isn't that the truth? Look at who is. Mr. Pussy Grabber. The man who has victimized many people financially, physically, socially, sexually, just taken advantage, mowed over people. So when you, when you said that, I mean, how safe does a woman, and I mean, don't get me wrong, men, men can be just as victimized, but how safe is a person going to feel? How confident is a person going to feel who agreed to meet somebody at a club or agreed to meet somebody at IHOP? And they started to explore, and they started to go forward, and then, and then they said, oh, this is going too fast, I'd like to slow down, and then it doesn't slow down, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then. I mean, we're at a point where a woman can be degraded for telling the truth just because she might not be pretty enough. What's going to happen when that person, what's going to happen when it's because it's kinky? because there was some level of kink to it. I mean, the possibility going forward is so bleak and dismal. When there's a level of kink, then that discussion is different. When there's a level of consent, then it's different. When there's a level of no consent, that is absolutely assault. If it's consent and it becomes assault because consent was taken away and the motion wasn't stopped. Right, but the legs that she now has to stand on in court are less than they were five years ago or one year ago. We have suddenly put into into our life, in the middle of our life, we have taken every person of minority, every person of an economic status, every woman, every woman, we've taken them and, oh my gosh, and my trans friends who go out in public, every single one of them are at risk. This, this is, this is terrifying. I don't mean to move away from what you're talking about, Mistress, because what you're saying is really, really important also. I'm thinking about trans folks. The situation that's going to be changing for them is, you know, radical and horrendous 
through the political process, which is going to be slamming doors, shutting down discrimination. And there are people that are working to support trans folks. One person is Toby Buchamp, a professor of gender and women's studies at the University of Illinois, research where this person researches and teaches in transgendered studies. And they're doing a time-sensitive fundraising campaign. I think we should put a link there. And this is for, for trans folks that want any kind of assistance, whether it be legal, um, medical, because, um, you know, one thing that's going to happen is that the insurance companies are going to change the way they handle, I'm sure, surgeries for people that are trans. I mean, the doors are going to slam on everybody. There's a group of lawyers in San Francisco that are organizing a pro bono clinic for people to have paperwork done. I think we need to put some links up. A Trans Relief Project is another one. Where is this? Trans Relief. What about here in Tennessee? What do we have? Probably not much because Tennessee is solid red and you could die first. One of the, one of the things is we do actually have a trans activist lobbying the General Assembly every session. Yes, we do. Yes, That's we do. Good. One of the things that this race brought out was us versus them mentality. And we have seen it in our own communities, our kink communities. Kinksters haven't been supporting allied causes nearly as dedicated and as much fervor as we should. And we haven't seen our allies always supporting our causes with the fervor that that they could. For example, uh, the kink community has not, as a group, actively supported the trans communities. You asked about the Transgender Project. This is their mission statement. It's to provide information and monetary assistance to U.S.-based trans and GNC people looking for help with the administrative fees associated with obtaining U.S. passports, name changes, and updating ID documents. Our primary goal right now is to help as many trans and GNC people as possible get passports before the requirements for obtaining a passport with the correct gender become more difficult. And you can read more about it, and there's links here, how to donate, how to request financial aid. This is fiscally sponsored by Trans United and is a part of the Trans United Network. This is a 501c3 organization. So I think we should put a link for that, too. I think it's important because, like I said, doors are going to start slamming. Some of the doors that are already slamming, are the bathroom doors. The bathroom bills that are going around through the different states right now, it's really troublesome to see that level of discrimination that is coming down from the governors and the the state houses against trans people. They think, you know, just buck it up and uh, whatever it says on your birth certificate should be fine. Denying rights just across the board. We need to speak up and say, this is not okay. We have friends, very close friends that are in this situation. They need our help. So anybody listening to this, get out and support. Say something to your elected officials. Make this thing better. And I think, Woody, you're exactly right. We need to be supporting our friends and our allies across the board in their struggles instead of depending on the trans community fighting for trans rights. These are basically human rights. And there should be all of our responsibility. The trans people, likewise, should be out there fighting for our rights and our privileges on the consent issues that we are uh, pushing right now. 
You're right, Beast. This this comes down to human rights, and our human rights are going to be rolled back and restricted across the board for lots and lots of people in lots and lots of ways, not just in the kink community, but in our everyday life. It's going to start small. It's going to be quiet at first, but it's going to increase. I'm, I just have this bad feeling, and we all need to stick together. Uh, Blue, you were talking about reading the news and following the news in Europe and seeing the consensus of, of what the Europeans think about the situation here, which the Americans are kind of, well, I can't say numb because I know a lot of people that are really freaked out by it, but a lot of people just don't think it's going to happen here. And I, I know that I've been reading the European news too, and they're saying, what are you doing? Did you not learn from us? What are you doing? Do you see what's happening? And they're trying to warn us so we can get out of our way. So I think I think that we need to stick together in a big way. And and when and you speak talk about we, we, we are talking about our all of people. us. All we, of we us. must look in the mirror and ask ourselves: Where is our humanity? Right. Where do we draw the line? Where right. do we draw the line? Because someone looks different to us; they're not human. They're not a part of us. Where is our humanity? I feel like then this this election has absolutely just taken a knife through and divided us and said, you know, you talk about them and us. Honestly, I want you as a Trump supporter to tell me where is your humanity when it comes to people that are different than you. Tell me that it was just about economics. Tell me now that it's still about that. Prove to me otherwise. I need to hear that from you. I've had a lot of sadness in, in this campaign, family-wise, you know, my brother, my sisters, they're all on the opposite side. And I just wanted to understand, you know, why? Tell me why you're voting for this man who gets up and makes fun of people with disabilities, fun of, he, you know, he, he wants to build a wall, and I went down the list. I said, just tell me why. And they said, it's not Hillary. Hillary's a liar. Hillary's a criminal. And part of that is uh, reading some of the fake news stories out there. Oh, That's exactly. Right. Yeah. They, no one wanted to fact check those. And so they looked good and they were proving some kind of a point. And so they believed them and they believed all of this. And and, and it's, it's not just my, I mean, it's any of my friends that I grew up with, you know, on Facebook and talking to them because a lot of them are Trump supporters and I just couldn't understand. And they would say to me, why do you support her? And I would say, you know, she was a supporter of women's rights and children, an advocate of children. And I'd go down this list and I had this big, long list to give them of what the things that she has accomplished in her political career. And I'd say to them, so tell me why you're supporting Trump. And they said, well, I just like him, or my sister likes him, or so-and-so. No one has ever been able to give me a reason why they were voting for him. And they probably don't really know why they voted. And so, you know, I had a lot of uh, fights and arguments. Uh, My family and I didn't talk. Haven't talked for a couple months. Thinking about 2017, one of the things that I've been sitting here listening about the, you know, we all have uh, transgender friends, and and I'm concerned about the kink-friendly professionals and how they're going to come under persecution in the future and possibly change their opinion about being open and, um, you know, and, and rejecting 
kinksters, you know, coming to them for services. And I think that's a big concern because we'll lose a service need that our community needs. Well, we are in a red state that did vote in legislation that says that professionals have the right to refuse clients based on sexual orientation or sexual identity. Or religious beliefs. Or religious beliefs. Secretary of Health and Human Services, Tom Price. Well, he's another peach. Yeah. The whole cabinet blows. He opposes gun control. Let's see. What else does he do? He also, there was something else, uh, opposes abortion and supported the proposed Protect Life Act. Price has a big concern about uh, corporizing uh, medical Yeah. He voted against a bill prohibiting job discrimination based on sexual orientation. He voted in favor of constitutionally defining marriage as one man, one woman. Oh, and he also voted against don't ask, don't tell. So it's anti-gay across the board. Anti-marriage equality. He receives a 0% rating by the Human Rights Campaign, (laughs) a gay rights organization. (laughs) He's a turn. 0%. So these are the types of people that are in key administrative so, so has positions. We, has, has we looked to reform the CARE Act, which we won't disagree has some problems in it, but when we're looking to see a reform, we're going to see equal access for same-sex partners being given absolutely no consideration. But all these right. all these folks that Trump is uh, considering for cabinet positions, none of them have been confirmed. That process isn't complete. These are just people that are being yeah, considered. But it's a Republican yeah. Congress. It's a rubber right. stamp. Right. Well, not necessarily because a lot of the Republicans did not want Trump to be president. Yeah, but you hear that sucking sound right now? Yeah. That's okay. Thank you very fucking uh, much for that. That's yes. okay. That's okay. So we have a choice. Oh. We can either sit back and go, Oh my God, this sucks. Or we can get on the phone and start calling yeah. these fuckers day in and day out and have a little speech. I'll give you all links for speeches, sample speeches, if you're not sure what to say. I'll give you a link. What if you have social anxiety and have never done this before? And are, you mean they're going to grow a conscience a after the fact? It's the, the fucking barn doors open. I know. Well, I'm not going to lay down. I'm, I'm just, not going to lay down just either. Not. I'm just so and, and, goddamn And you mad. see these balls that are growing right here? I'm getting this set, okay? And I have no problem getting out there and doing what I got to do. So is that the extra jingle I heard when you walked That was, yeah. that was. Oh, they, they are sounding pretty solid now. Pretty hefty. Yeah. Well, folks, 2017 is going to be an interesting year, and I use interesting just like they say in China. <clears throat> May you have an interesting year. Well, I want to uh, say... That, um, you know, even in the workplace, I have decided not to talk politics, especially in the workplace. I work at a major university, and the day after or the week after the election, I can't stand that name. I feel your pain. The POS elect. (laughs) The POS elect. There was an organized demonstration. Yay, student. At a main intersection that blocked traffic, and uh, we... We heard them in my office, and and uh, several of us went outside, and it was my break time. So I went on down, and I joined them, and I walked down the street with them. And they were just saying, you know, they were supporting the fact that uh, they weren't going to uh, support his agenda. So I walked after it. It was I was gone about 10 minutes, came back into the office, and one of the Republican coworkers said to me, they shouldn't be allowed to protest. 
And I said, are you kidding me? Why not? Because that law hasn't been revoked yet. And they said, well, he won. I said, and your point is? Don't forget, we have midterm elections and Democrats need to be on point. Let Let me give you some information about that in case you're not aware. It's very important to get Democrats elected in the midterm elections in 2018, which start working on this now, 2017. You're talking to the choir here, though. Well, I'm talking to the podcast listeners that may not be aware. There are 23 seats the Democrats need to win, plus that are two held by independents. There are 10 seats that could flip in the Senate. And there's a listing I have. Florida has a seat. Indiana. Missouri has a seat. Montana has a seat. Nevada. North Dakota. Ohio. Pennsylvania. West Virginia. Wisconsin. These are all seats that can flip to Republican seats. Some of these seats are Republicans now. The Dems need to take them. But we need to get out there and push these folks, support them. It's really important that, I mean, the Republicans now have the majority because they have that stupid 60, what is it, 60-40 majority to get yeah. anything passed instead of what it used to be. Simple majority. Yeah, simple majority. Now it's a, it's a ridiculous majority. So we really, really, really need to have Democrats in the Senate. Again, Woody, I'll give you a link for that. People that are listening, it's important. Take action. Be, be involved in civics. Be involved in politics. Be involved in your neighborhood. 2017 is an important year. I will echo. Dig in your pockets. Help fund the campaigns that are critical to us i think that has a group we have been very stingy about paying for supporting our kink rights our personal uh, human liberties we've been very stingy about that we've probably been much more as a group about supporting our gun control rights or our corporate interests and not as much about supporting our personal liberties and it's time that we better funding lobbyists they're supporting our views and i think we've just been very lax on that and as a closing comment i just want to make one little side note it's very interesting because i've heard from my republican friends that uh, they don't want the government in their business and it's the democrats that make uh, the big government and uh, all these controlling laws and i'm looking at them like they're crazy because I see all of these laws come tumbling down around us right now. We're so restricted and so government-controlled here in the next four years that I can't understand how they can say Democrats cause the big government that controls us and Republicans take it away. We can talk about pipelines until we're blue in the face, and we can talk about the environment. And, you know, we get it, but there are certainly people that don't. And so I, I can't go on any longer tonight because we've used up all our time. But I really want to thank you all for giving your opinions, your very strong opinions on where we are, where we're going. And everybody that hears this on the cast, you know, get out, write some letters. Let us know what you think also. Call, visit, do things. And we can all make next four years improve. If we don't do it, nobody will do it for us. We watched Brexit go all wrong. And now they're going, oh, well, we really didn't mean it. Same thing (laughs) happened here. I just can't believe that we watched it go down in England and then we did it here. It may happen in France. That's next. And Italy is uh, next in line. So at any rate, 
Thank you, everybody, for coming tonight, and I want to thank our audience. Have a wonderful new year. Happy New Year, everybody. Have some champagne for me, baby. Happy New Year. Absolutely. And we'll be back in 2017. You have been listening to episode 152 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we bring you The Wolf and the Kinky Jungle.